Good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here to, to worship with us. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the pastor uh, here of Ridgeview Church. And I was just uh, standing back there singing that song. And if you grew up in church, uh, have any of you heard that song before, Jesus Paid It All? That's, that's what they call a hymn. Uh, that's old school. And something that I was thinking of when I was singing that is for years and years and years, churches have been singing that song uh, to Jesus about the, the sacrifice that he paid. And here today in 2019 as a new church, uh, we join the people that have gone before us singing those same songs. And there's times where you just have to stop and, and remember that Jesus has throughout history met people right where they are. And even as a new church, uh, we join with those and we stand on the, the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And so we're so glad that you're here as we do start this new beginning at Ridgeview. We had our grand opening a few weeks ago. And so we really stand here uh, before all of you uh, with the story unfolding uh, as we speak. And you being here are part of the first month of services, a part of Ridgeview. And so we're so glad that you're here to, to worship with us. Uh, you'll notice, as Joel just shared, there's a lot of things that we have going on. And really, that's designed because we believe that so much of life and community and relationship building happens outside of this time right now. There's a lot that happens as we connect and as we get to know each other outside of a Sunday morning. And so, as a church, we want to build community. And we really want to do that. And to do that means it takes time. And so we offer these, and we want all of you to, to get to know us at your own pace but we do that to, to not only build community, but, but we also want to add value uh, to your life. And we believe that we can't do that ourselves. That happens through Jesus himself. But as a church, we, we want to add value. And that's why, like, tonight we do things like a parenting seminar. And just a quick plug for that. I believe that if you're a parent or soon-to-be parent or you work with kids or you're a grandparent, this will be something helpful for you tonight. Uh, you may be some, you know, in a place where either you feel stuck and there might be an insight that may help you. You may be kind of planning for this next phase. You're not there yet. But I believe tonight you're going to get some practical help. And so if you don't have anything going on tonight or there's a way that you could even shift your schedule, I encourage you to come. And I think it will be a great help, not just to kind of feel overwhelmed, but to actually have tools to help you get unstuck. And uh, if we can be a help in that, that's, that's what we want to do. And so there's a flyer in there, as Joel pointed to. But please, no, no strings attached. We would love uh, to see you. Uh, I wanted just to announce one thing, and I think Cody, is Cody back here or did he leave? Oh, Cody's right here. Cody, could you come up here? Uh, I wanted to introduce you to, to Co Cody officially, and um, I just appreciate all that Cody has done uh, the last few weeks to really help Ridgeview get started. And so as a new church, there's a lot of things you need to put together. You need to figure out you know, kids, and you need to figure out what we're going to do for our service and all of the equipment, all this. And when we started Ridgeview, there was a reality that we had. The first is we don't have kid space and we are using a playground and we're using a breezeway and we have volunteers that are helping us transform an elementary school outdoor area into a kid space. And we have people that are, you know, with can-do attitudes making that happen. And we're so grateful for what God's doing, even with that. And the second reality is we don't have a worship leader and so when you start a church, there's two things that are important, like kid space is important and actually having a worship leader is important. What you find out is like God still works despite those things and he works with the people that he provides. And Cody is the, a worship pastor at Orange Crest Community Church, and that's a sister church of ours in Riverside. And Orange Crest has helped us 
really over the last few months get started as a church. And they provided a man named Bryce who led worship for us for four Sundays. And Cody, this is his third Sunday leading us. Every single person up here, uh, I thought, did a fantastic job leading worship. No one up here is from Ridgeview Church. That's kind of scary because next week we're just going to do karaoke, okay? So I hope you enjoy. No, just kidding. I mean, we may. We'll see. But um, Cody has really helped us by organizing, getting volunteers, and bringing a team every week. And this is going to wrap up uh, his time uh, to do that. And the reason I wanted to just bring Cody up here is, one, I just wanted to thank you. Thank you for all the coordination that you've done. Thank you for being here. Thank you for organizing all the teams. And I think all of the band every week has had majority of people from OCC. And so on behalf of Ridgeview, um, thank you, Cody, and, and also I thank Orange Crest Church. Let's thank them. And not only do I, I want to thank uh, Cody and, and all our volunteers that are making this happen, but I, I want to ask you to join us in, in praying. Uh, when you're a new church, it really is an adventure. And it's the type of adventure where you actually don't map out the whole route. You kind of are mapping out each kind of coordinate from one Sunday to the next. And you don't know what God's going to do. We didn't know this morning who God was going to bring here. And we look out and we see God brought people and we're so glad he brought us all here together. And we also don't know how he's going to provide a worship leader. And I just want to ask you to pray for us. And so I'm going to ask God to pray. Over the next few weeks, we're going to have a couple people who are praying through becoming the worship leader at our church and they're going to be playing for us so they can kind of get a feel of what it's going to be like and so we can get a feel of what it's going to be like and we can pray together and so uh, as you could tell not everything is nailed down and figured out but that's the beauty of this phase of ridgeview is you again get to be a part of this uh, beginning story so would you guys join me in in praying uh, one thanking cody and, and his team but just praying that god would lead us to the next worship leader of ridgeview let's pray Father, we welcome you here. We thank you so much for your presence, and you are not far off. You are not distant. You are right here in our midst, and we welcome you here. Thank you so much for Cody, for Orange Crest Community Church, for Church in the Valley, for Seabreeze, for all the churches that have helped us for weeks and weeks to get us to this point where we can be a church that's here in North Montana. Uh, Thank you for Cody and his leadership. I pray a blessing upon him and OCC. And God, we also pray as we have people that are considering uh, being our worship leader, that you will make it clear who you're raising up to do it. We don't go ahead of you. We don't go around you. We actually want to go with you leading us forward. And so we trust you and ask for you to provide. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again, bro. So it's kind of like a little housekeeping. You kind of got to see behind the curtain there. But that, that's real. That's really what's going on. What you see on the screen is a series that we started at our grand opening called Family Life, More or Less Ideal. And we're starting with the family because uh, we are all impacted by the family that we came from, uh, for better or worse. And we're all a part of a family. And Lord willing, even if you're single here today, there's a sense in which you're going to be moving towards the family that God's going to provide And we're connected with our family through extended family. And then also he's trying to build a family here at Ridgeview, a spiritual family. And so it's very important to understand how to relate uh, to our family, whether it's the one that we were born into or the community that we're trying to build. Whether it's people at our workplaces, uh, it's relationships are the key in all of our life. 
And so what we've been doing in this series is looking at what's God's ideal for family and relationships. And we started with that ideal the first week on our grand opening. That was February 10th. Last week on the 17th, we continued talking about the best relationships. How do we have the best relationships despite strategies that we have that sometimes prevent those relationships from happening? And so in this series, uh, my goal is to really kind of force all of us to be honest with ourselves. And it's really easy for all of us to play a game where we on the outside can appear like we have everything together, but on the inside there's a lot of turmoil. And here at Ridgeview, what we're not trying to do is pressure or force anyone to do something they don't want to do. But what we do hope is that you can be honest with yourself. See where you're at and then see where the next steps you can take to get to where you need to be. So in this series, that's what we're doing. And today we're talking about this idea of conflict happens. And I don't know about you, conflict is like like a weather pattern. Now, how many of you have experienced crazy weather this past week, right? In our house in North Fontana, it snowed. And... My wife sent a pic of our kids and a video of them playing in the snow, and I was like a giddy boy, like, snow? What's snow? And I just wanted to drop it, and I was like, well, I have to work. I can't just run to the snow. And, but snow was happening, and then days before that, there's, there's been rain. And in Southern California, when there's any sort of weather pattern that's not just sunny and 70, it seems like the world is going to end, right? Like something is going on. And I love how I go open my closet and I'm like, it's below 70. I'm going to pull out any long sleeve I've ever owned and I'm going to wear them all at the same time. Can you guys relate to that? Because you never know what's going to happen again. Because next week it's going to be 85 degrees. It's not. I just made that up. But it could be. But, you know, in in Southern California, the, the changing weather is exciting. But if you live in a place like the Pacific Northwest, when that is the norm, when it rains and rains and rains, there's a gloom that you have to deal with and you kind of have to learn how to cope with weather. Well, conflict is like gloomy weather. It's a cloud that darkens things. It hangs over us and it kind of puts us in a mood where it's, it's very difficult to function. Much like when it's gloomy weather, you kind of want to stay indoors. You want to maybe put on the fireplace. You don't want to do anything. Uh, that's the same when conflict hits our relationship. It kind of slows us down and causes us to not make progress. And so one of the key things that we have to do in life is we have to figure out how do we deal with conflict, not when it happens or if it happens, sorry, but but when, because it always will happen and we can wake up with our best intentions and conflict can be right there and the atmosphere can be ruined. The clouds can be coming in. So I want to do is I want to start, and this is where the Bible is going to help us be honest. I want to start with what's the source of conflict? So just do me a favor. Uh, think back the last month of, of your life and all your different relationships and think to yourself, did you experience any conflict? It could be with a spouse, with a friend, a roommate, a coworker, a boss, a sibling, a child. Just think for your, just take 10 seconds. Have you experienced conflict over the past month? I don't know if any of you, you know, something came to mind, but I know for myself, I, I've experienced that conflict. We've had conflict with, with our kids. My wife and I, we've been married almost 17 years. We have three kids. And 
some days there's there's conflict and what i find in my own life when there's conflict it's just that that feeling of just sometimes you feel hopeless sometimes you feel down sometimes you feel like you don't really know how to move past it and oftentimes we just want conflict to disappear so the gloomy weather's there we just hope the sun can come out but there's times when it, the gloom just stays and so what i want to do is i want to talk about how do we just get past the gloominess when sometimes it's that you can't snap your fingers and the sun appears how does that happen and so i want to go to the source and allow the bible to be really honest so the bible reveals the source of conflict and i want to start with james 4 and you can read it up there and if you want to take notes there's a handout in your program as well so here's the question what causes fights and quarrels among you so the question is what causes conflict what causes fights what causes arguments what causes disagreements it says don't they come from your desires that battle within you you want something but don't get it you kill and covet but you cannot have what you want you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god so i want to stop here uh, there's some strong language there it's a question so what causes all the fights what causes all the conflicts what causes the pain in our relationships all of us experience that what causes it and many times there's a sense in which we want to look outward like what is somebody doing to me what is life doing to me? What are some circumstances to me? And what the writer of James is saying is when conflict happens and the gloom is over our head, we tend to look at the cloud. And why cloud? And what James is saying is the cloud is not overview. The cloud is in you. The gloominess exists inside your own heart, inside my own heart. It's my own desires. And what James is saying is all of us, like I talked about last week, are born with a stubborn selfishness to get what we want. If we're really honest, we have goals and we want them. And simply, it's I want what I want. How many of you would agree with that statement? We want what we want, right? What James is saying is those desires cause fighting because what you want and what I want oftentimes aren't the what? They're not the same. And so if you want what you want and I want what I want and they're not the same, that's where conflict happens. And then the strong language continues. You kill and covet. This is actually not really speaking literally. It's this idea of you're willing to trample, to run over, and to conquer people. And I'm willing to do the same to get what we want. And so what James is saying is we want what we want. And we want it now. We want what we want and we want it now. And the next thing is, is I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you, but I want what I want, and I want it now. And if you get in my way, I will hurt you if it means I can get what I want. So when you read the Scripture, what you see there, it's, it's very specific. And this is what happens again and again. You read it, and the Bible has this way of it's like this, this scan of our heart. And it's a scan of our brain, and it shows what's going on the inside and if we're really honest with ourselves, we all have goals that we want. We all want our day to go a certain way. We want a project at work to go the way that we think. We want our child to go along with our plan. We want our spouse to kind of get aligned with what we want. And the conflict erupts and erupts over time because we each have what we want. We all want it now, and we don't get it. And then this is what James goes on. The next verse, it says, when you ask, you do not receive. He's talking about asking God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
So what the writer of James is describing is this desire that we all have for our own goals to be met. And they're the greatest goals. Why? Because they're my goals. And I want what I want. What James is saying, we even get to the point where we can be dissatisfied, we can be independent, and we still don't get what we want despite that we want it. And so there's two things that happen. We either turn to God and we say, God, why aren't you giving me what I want? And we get frustrated at him. Or we turn to others and say, why aren't you aligning with what I want? And we get frustrated with people. And this is that conflict wheel. We want what we want. And then we just turn to others to give it to us. What you find is, is this doesn't happen. So it's really this picture of being lost, being lost without chance to get out. Recently, uh, in the fall, my wife and I went on a hike in Malibu. Any, anybody likes to hike? Anybody, you know, raise your hand. I, I like to hike. Now, there's, there's a thing about me, just in full disclosure, I'm, I'm directionally and geographically challenged. I get lost a lot. And it's true. I, I probably, as I leave here, would even do the map from here to my house, and I know exactly where it is, but there's always just a part of me like, what if I just make that wrong turn? I'll never get back home. Guys, any of you like that? that that's me. I'm, I'm directionally, geographically challenged. And so we go on hikes, and there's just certain times in the back of my head where I'm always hoping it works out for the best. I don't often vocalize that to my family, but I'm like, I hope we get back. And there was an instance where we went hiking, my wife and I, and we we're in Malibu on this beautiful trail. And because of weathering, uh, the trail like was gone. And so we got to the end of it, and we saw no way to get to the destination we were trying to get, which was back to our van. And we're looking at the trail, and I have this app, and this app shows us how to get from point A to point B. And I press that little arrow, that location thing where it's supposed to sync up, and the dot where I am and the trail are not connected. And so I then, okay, let's, let's follow it. So I'm, I'm looking at my phone. So, Nope, we're still not lined up with the dot. And then I go this way. Nope, we're still not. And I'm like pokey poking. You know, I'm, I don't know where I'm going, and I can't get back on the route. And so I start talking. Well, where do you think we're supposed to go? And, and my wife's like, I don't know. She didn't know the way to get back either. And so what it was is two people lost with a phone that didn't work to get us found. And all we have to do is rely on each other, and neither of us know where we're going. And that's really what life is when we experience conflict. It's we're completely lost. We want to get out of it, but we don't know how. And the people that we have can't point us that direction either. Because most of the time in conflict, they're a part of it, and we're all lost without a way out. The good news is we're here today. We actually made it back. But we cut through this trail, and we're going off, and it was scary. We're going down hills, and we just kind of went a straight line. But with conflict... And when our relationships get stuck, there isn't like the shortcut that we can see. We're lost and we can't get found. The good news is in life, despite the feeling of getting what we want and not being satisfied, and despite the frustration of conflict, Jesus actually came to rescue us. And so the reason it's important to be honest with ourselves is when we're honest with ourselves, we realize that we have a problem, that our relationships have problems. But the good news is we can get unstuck and we can get unlost. And so I want to kind of shift gears and talk about how that happens. 
And what it is is that Jesus was sent from God to rescue us and bring peace. In the middle of gloomy weather, in the middle of conflict, what we want more than anything is peace, right? We want it to end. We want the storm to clear. But that doesn't happen from ourselves. We can't cause that to happen. We can't force it to happen. Thankfully, God sent Jesus to bring us peace. And he did it through his son, Jesus. Read this in Ephesians 2. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, who were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Just keep it right there for a second. What it's describing is the fact that we all want what we want and we all have goals and we're willing to hurt people if they don't align with us, that's really a description of sin. It's being independent from God. And in our independence, there's no blessing. There's no satisfaction. And so what God did is realizing that we want the blessing and we want the satisfaction, but because of our independence from God, we can't experience it. He sent Jesus so that the canyon and the ditch between our goals and our satisfaction and our independence, like we can't cross that, we can't get unlost. He sent Jesus so we could experience the blessing and the satisfaction and the peace that we all long for. Because we can't get unstuck because we're lost and we're under the cloud of conflict. He sent Jesus. When it describes here the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ is the payment for sin. Sin is that stubborn selfishness we all have. You could see it from toddler age and you could see it up to the elderly. There's just we want what we want. But getting what we want doesn't lead to the full life that God came to give. It comes through Jesus and the blood that he shed so we can not be independent anymore. And so when we turn to Jesus, we get his, his peace. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. If you go to the next verse there, it talks about by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and so making peace and might reconcile us both to god in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility there's a lot going on in here and what he's describing is independence from god we we don't feel okay we don't feel satisfied and so what happens over time is when we're independent from god we tend to do a lot of things to make us feel better some of it is just pleasure we want money, we want success, we want power, we want sex, we want drugs. That makes us feel better. And then there's other side of that, which is we actually don't go the route of maybe pleasure and bad things. We go the route of trying to be good enough, trying to earn God's favor of us. We have a sense of we're independent, and so what can we do to make him okay with us? And we all do that in a different way. And what Paul is describing here, who wrote this, he's, he's saying there's a sense in which we've expressed these ordinances. We've created all these steps that we need to do to be okay. I need to go to church. I need to just sacrifice for people. I need to, do, I need to check, 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 check. I need to do this and this and this. And then if I do all this stuff, God will be okay with me. What the writer is saying is, is you're never going to be okay because we can't get unlost 
we can't bring the peace. It's again wanting what we want, even if it could be good. And so what the writer is saying here is, is he came to bring peace that it might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, the cross thereby killing the hostility. A reconciliation, if you go to the next screen there, you'll see the definition. To reconcile means to reestablish friendly interpersonal relations that have been disrupted or broken. Now, at this time, this reconciliation is twofold, and it's actually the same today. The reason we have conflict again is because we want what we want. And there's a desire there to get our needs met. But because we want what we want, we we tend not to look to God. Because God's not going to give me what I want. I've got to get it myself. And so there's this barrier between us. And what Jesus did is he enabled through his sacrifice that even though our independence, we can find a way back to God through Jesus. He is the bridge back. What this is also describing is that Jesus has also bridged us back to others as well. So what Jesus did in his sacrifice is he created the relationship possible with God, and he created real peace and relationships with others. At this time, he's writing to a major conflict of a group of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are those Israelites that were God's people, and the Gentiles were everyone who weren't Jews. And there was so much division in the early church at this time because they're trying to figure out, well, who's, who's the real Christ follower and who's, who's the right and who do we follow? And there's so much confusion and there was so much hostility because of the governing authorities, which were Roman and the Israelites felt like they were crushed. And there was so much discord, so much misunderstanding and so much conflict. And so our conflicts today mirror what's happened throughout history, people that want what they want can't get along because each of us have our own goals so what paul's describing here is we can be connected back to god through the blood of christ and we can also experience peace with each other as well and so for followers of christ if you've committed your life to christ this idea of peace is is very important because what jesus has done to bridge us back to god and to bridge us back to others. As a Christ follower, he does not want us to burn those bridges. And we, we actually can't undo Christ's work, but we can sometimes make situations worse by our own attitude and our own actions. So as a Christ follower, we need to see the price that Jesus paid for peace was very high. It cost him his life. So peace is so valuable. And so if you follow Christ, there's a sense in which when you have conflict, one of our values here at Ridgeview is to clear up relationships. If there's a problem, if there's a mess in a relationship, we want to clear that up. We want to seek forgiveness, ask forgiveness, and make sure that that relationship is right. Why? Because we've been reconciled to God. We've been reconciled to each other. If you're not yet a follower of Christ and you experience this conflict in your relationships and you feel stuck there's a way out and it comes as you follow jesus as you turn to him when it means to follow christ there's a word that's called repentance when you turn to him it's like literally saying i've been going this way wanting what i want independent of god and it's not working i'm not satisfied i'm not blessed and there's really no life here if i'm honest with myself 
Become a Christian means that you change roads. You turn your direction around. And so you no longer go this way in your independence. And you turn and say, okay, God, I don't have the life I want there. I don't have the peace I want. I don't have the fulfillment. I want to go your way. And when you decide to do that, you change roads and you repent. You turn away from your independence. And so you can, you can decide to do that today. If you're interested in doing it, on the back of your connection card, you just mark, contact me about following Jesus. That's what that means. Following Jesus is literally this idea of no longer following just my own plan. And I want to follow him in his ways. I want to turn around. And once you decide to do that, the clouds, even though they'll come back because of conflict, the light of Jesus will always shine through. And you're not under that cloud forever. And so I want to kind of walk through some practical things now. So we have a problem. It's conflict. All of us have experienced it, right? You know your own strategies for getting what you want. I know my own. We don't want to trade secrets because we still want what we want. But we all have that. And even the people that we care about and we love, it's so easy to get in conflict with. And so we all know. And then the source is that desire. But the good news is Jesus can rescue us and he can bring peace into the conflict. And I want to describe now what happens when we decide to follow Jesus and allow peace to reign in our relationships. And so God wants to help us pivot from conflict to understanding. Again, pivot that idea of you're going in one direction and you pivot, you move, and you go in a new way. This is what it says in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Okay, I just want to stop there. All of us would say, well, that makes complete sense. But have you ever been cut off on the freeway? Like, right, let's be real. What do you want to do when somebody cuts you off? That's not cutting me off. I'll show you what cutting someone off is. Right? Or anyone ever kind of come up behind you and they, on the, the, the roads and they just... A little too close? A little, little too close. You need a little, one of those little brake checks. Has anyone ever done that in here? A little brake check, right? Okay, we got some thank you. Thank, I see you. I see you. There's just something good that just feels good about that. But there's a sense in which there's all sorts of justice. There's freeway justice. And even in driving, this idea of repaying, well, eh, I don't know. If you're going towards L.A. in the morning, I, I don't know. But even in stuff like this, it means, you know, we're willing to cut slack to people. We're not going to repay evil for evil done to us. So this is that new community that comes through following Jesus. This peace enters in. And it's not an idea of peace. It's peace translated into action. And what's the action? Well, this is it. It begins with you do not repay evil for evil. And then be careful to do what is right in the eyes of, what does this word say? Everybody. How many of you wish that we could cross that off and it just said me? Right? Because there's a sense in which everybody trumps me and what I want. But that's how you pivot. This is how peace reigns. It's not about me. It's not about getting what I want. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. This is one of the most counter-cultural statements that you'll listen to, that you'll hear. 
Because it's all about I am who I am. And I do what I want to do. And if you don't like that, right? I mean, that's like a pop song. I just wrote a pop song right now in front of you. And next week I will perform it. Just kidding. That will ensure none of you will come back. But I am who I am. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But the Bible says actually be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. You actually look at your life and you see the impact of your decisions. Because you realize that you can bring peace into a situation that might not have it. And you have a role to play. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with... What does that word say again? Are you kidding me? Everyone again? Now here's the good news. As far as it depends on who? As, As far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on me. I can't force peace. You know, as a parent, there's some like, you're going to do this, you're going to like it. You ever, I've done that. Maybe your parents did that. You kind of make yourself laugh, but then you're like, wow, that's really sad. Like, I want to force this person to have an experience. Can't do that on anyone. Nobody can be controlled ultimately. We can conform, but we can't be controlled. And so there's this idea, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone So in a situation, you can do what you can do to bring peace. You can't bring peace if they don't want peace. You can't bring peace that overcomes the wrong that somebody's done. This doesn't mean that we become doormats. It doesn't mean that we ignore injustice. It doesn't mean that there's not consequences. But what it means is as long as it depends on me, I'm going to do what's right. As long as it depends on me, if I've made a mess, I'm going to clean my mess up. As long as it depends on me, if I can encourage, if I can listen, if I can help, I will. As long as it depends on me. This perspective found right here is countercultural. And this is why the church has such an important role. Because what we've said is we are all independent. We all want what we want. We are all selfish. But because of Jesus, we can turn around and we can experience peace and a bridge back to God. And we can experience peace in relationships. And we can bring it because that's what Jesus wants to bring. And that's what Jesus wants to do. And then verse 19 says this. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written... It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So ultimately, revenge is not the way of somebody who follows Jesus. Even though everything in us says, my goal was blocked. You're going to have to pay. What the scripture is saying is God is the one who keeps track. God is the one who takes notes. God is the one ultimately that everyone will face when their life wraps up. He's going to hold everyone accountable for what they've done. Wrong to you, wrong to anybody, wrong to him. It's not our role because once you get on the revenge path, you guys know what it's like. It's just like on the freeway. If they cut you off and you cut them off, what do they want to do? Is it ever even? It's never even until somebody gets seriously hurt. This is what God's saying is, is, as humans, you, you can't be responsible for justice ultimately. Now, justice exists, and there's right and wrong, 
But ultimately, before God, you have to be willing to know that God is the one who's going to take care of the ultimate justice. He keeps the record of right and wrong. And this is, this is a new way. And so here's how to specifically pivot based on this scripture. The first thing is, in a conflict, don't react. Instead, pray. Everything in conflict is about reacting. Think about it of the weather again. The, the cloud comes and it starts to rain. What do you want to do? You don't just want to get the umbrella out, but you want to get the umbrella out and you just want to go boop, right to somebody's face. That's what reacting is, is there's a problem. And instead of trying to see what's happening, there's just this, this reaction. Why would you do that? How could you say that? What were you thinking? You ever said any of that? I, I know I have. It's a, it's a reaction. And we have a responsibility. Like, instead of reacting in the moment, God, I'm so mad and frustrated right now. Will you help me? I don't experience any peace. I experience conflict. Will you help me? Help me to see this situation like you see it. Help me to love this person like you love them. Because right now, I am mad. That's the power that God does is in the middle of that. If we turn to him and we pray instead of react, he works. Romans 12, 21, a little bit further from that passage I just read. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what reaction is happening. It's just it boils up. It wells up, and it's just we have to release. Even that is the norm. You ever just gone off on somebody and you put it under the category of venting you know venting is actually really dangerous because oftentimes what we're saying is there's so much frustration inside me i just want to let it out but it's actually not helpful for the peace that god wants to bring and so instead of reacting and venting we can respond differently and it begins with prayer there's so many times in my own life that i have not gotten this right and so if you're like me Oftentimes, I react, it blows up, and then I pray. God, help me. I just threw some TNT in this situation, and it exploded. Will you help me? And he will, even when you do wrong. But you get to the point over time where if you can pray, it helps the amount of TNT you throw. And over time, you actually don't need to throw any. And that's what happens next. So don't react, pray, and then the next is give a soft answer. Now think about conflict. Doesn't this seem somewhat comical? Because in conflict, what does everybody do in conflict? Raise their what? Voice. So if Joel and I are in an argument and he's raising his voice, how is he going to hear me? I have to be louder than him or he's not going to hear me. So he gets frustrated, and then I raise my voice, and then what does he do? Because he needs to be heard. He raises his voice. Some of you guys are nervous. It's, it's normal. This happens. But a soft answer, according to Proverbs 15.1, check this out. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So there's a little fire going on, and that's the conflict. When we react and we explode, what do we pour on the fire? Maybe like gasoline. What does gasoline do? 
causes problems with fires. It explodes, but a soft answer, it calms the fire down. It calms the conflict. And the next one, talk it out. Talk it out. Colossians 3.13. I'm going to wrap up with this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That word bear is, is this patience. There's a patience that we need to have in conflict where we're willing to not fight or flight. Those are the normal reactions in conflict. Like we're going to fight and you better see it my way or it's not going to end well. Or we're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this right now. I don't want to talk about this right now. And oftentimes fight and flighters marry each other and that causes even more problems. But what the scripture is saying is here is, is when you bear with each other, the bearing is hanging in there. And as you hang in there with people and you're patient with them, I'm so thankful for the people that have bared with me through life. They, they understand I'm not perfect. They understand I make a lot of mistakes. And instead of letting me have it each time, they're patient with me. And in their patience, this leads to them being able to forgive me for the wrong things that I've done or the things that I've, I've said. And this forgiveness... When conflict happens, this is the thing that, that it kind of melts away our, our heart of stone. And this can only happen as we follow Jesus. So talking it out, bearing with people, hanging in there, giving a soft answer, praying instead of reacting, this happens because of the reconciliation that we have through Jesus. And so I want to wrap up by asking you to pull out the connection cards. The band's going to go, go ahead and come up and we're going to, in a moment, receive our offering. And so Joel had you fill it out. If you've not yet finished filling that out, go ahead and do that. Every one of you, you should have had a pen. And fill out as much information you feel comfortable sharing with us. And uh, there's a few next steps that you can take. Uh, the first next step is to memorize Romans 12:18, And that's, that's on your handout so you can see it. It's written on there. Uh, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That might be just something that tomorrow morning as you go to work, you kind of say to yourself, and you try to get it into your mind. So that's the, the first next step. You can just write that on your connection card. I, I want to memorize Romans twelve eighteen, And then the next step after that is, is you may want to just pursue peace by uh, seeking to reconcile a broken relationship. And so there may be people in your life right now where there's some conflict that's not gotten cleaned up yet. Like there's still kind of some smoldering fire. There may be the cloud over your head, the gloominess. And there may be everything in you that you want them to do something, but, but maybe this morning there's something that God wants you to do. And there's something that you can do to take initiative to try to bring peace into that relationship. And so I encourage you to just begin with, with prayer. Ask God uh, to show you that. And so go ahead and write those next steps. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about what it means to follow Jesus, I did say you can put contact me about following Jesus on your connection card, and, and we'll do that. And then there's also an event coming up March 3rd, next Sunday. It's called Discovering Faith Lunch. This will be at, at our house. So my wife and I, we would just like to invite you over if, if you're interested in learning more about Christianity and like an honest conversation about what it means to follow Jesus. And if you just want a space where you can ask some questions, uh, we would love to do that. And so we'll provide lunch for you. We'd love to meet you. And so you can put that on your connection card. And then last but, but not least... I'm going to be by the information table uh, after church. And so if I've not met you yet, 
I'd love to meet you if you're a first-time guest. That's where you can pick up your gift. And so come, say hi, and I'd, I'd love to meet you. So let's pray, and then we'll receive our offering. Father, thank you for the initiative you have taken to help us get unlost and unstuck. Thank you for Jesus who has reconciled us back to you. And God, we all want what we want. But God, help us to realize that it's not in pursuing what we want where life comes together. It's actually pursuing what you want and doing life your way. So I just pray for us and the different conflicts that we may be experiencing right now. God, show if, there, if there's anything that we can do to bring peace into a situation. Whether it's a soft answer or praying or talking it out. God, show us the people that we need to bear with in our lives right now. God, thank you for this time, this opportunity to be together. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.